Hey everyone, and happy Halloween. As you can probably see from today's title, we're doing things a bit differently this week. The story that I'm about to share with you is a very real and raw experience that I had a few years back. And to be honest, the circumstances surrounding it still haunt me to this day. Since that's the case, I wanted to come on here and share this story in the realest and rawest way I know how. I'm not reading from a script like I normally do, and I want it to be very off-the-cuff and conversational. That said, I am pretty nervous to share this story, mainly because it's still such a prominent part of my day-to-day life. You know, it's experiences like this that show just how easy it is to fall down a rabbit hole when it comes to the paranormal, and like, not in a good way, by any means. You hear all the time that when you're researching stuff like this and investigating dark locations and events in history, that you can open up doors that you never intended or even wanted to open. But when I first started out, to be honest, that concept was really hard for me to wrap my head around. That is until it happened to me. So I guess what I'm hoping is that this will be a cautionary tale for you guys to enjoy Just keep in mind that I was really young when this happened, and at the time, I was incredibly inexperienced when it comes to the paranormal, especially when trying to protect myself from dark entities such as this. So as we move forward, I just ask that you give me a little bit of grace here, and trust me when I say that I've learned my lesson. But first, a bit of housekeeping. This is going to be my Halloween special, but... If I'm being honest, I have loads of other paranormal experiences that have shaped me as a paranormal researcher and investigator. I've touched on these stories here and there around the internet, and I've shared a few smaller experiences that I've had on this podcast. But I've never gone full throttle and given you any sort of context as to why I fell into this field. So if you guys enjoy content like this, reach out to me on social media and let me know because I'd be happy to make a series out of this moving forward. Okay, I think I've procrastinated long enough, so let's start by touching on a story that I've always sworn I would never cover on this show. Mainly because I'm pretty sure most of us know this legend, at least to some degree, and for reasons that I think will be quite obvious by the time we're done today, it quite literally scares the ever-living daylights out of me. But in order to understand the gravity of this situation, I think we at least need to address the bigger picture here. And that, of course, is the Bell Witch Cave, down in Adams, Tennessee. Of course, the Bell Witch Cave is one of the more renowned haunts that many podcasters and creators talk about online. But in case you aren't aware of this story, let me give you the cliff notes. The Bell Witch legend dates back to the early 19th century, when the Bell family was living on a rather large property in Adams, Tennessee. At some point during their time living on this property, the Bells started to experience what I can only describe as violent paranormal activity. They were hearing voices, hearing knocking and rapping on the walls, there were physical disturbances and attacks. In fact, John Bell, who was the patriarch of this family, was allegedly murdered by whatever entity was haunting their home and property. I want to say that they also lost livestock or maybe their pet cat. To be honest, it's been a little while since I've looked into the details of this story. But, yeah, whatever this entity was really didn't have good intentions for the Bell family. 
Now, I've seen a few different theories when it comes to what this entity that's today known as the Bell Witch may be. I've seen people call it a poltergeist, I've seen others call it a demon. Some believe that it's a spirit conjured by their neighbor, Kate Batts, but I've also seen people say that the spirit is actually Kate Batts herself. Now, I'm not sure which of these theories, if any of them, are true. But what I will say is that this entity exists outside the realm of human comprehension. And for what it's worth, I don't think it has good intentions for anyone that it comes in contact with. Today, the Bell Witch is said to dwell in a cave that still sits on the property, and that it's granted to leave this vessel once every seven years to further haunt the descendants of the Bell family. Now, I did the math on this a while back, and if my calculations and general understanding of this story are correct, 2023 is the seventh year in that cycle. Creepy, I know, but what does that have to do with me? Well, several years back, I can't remember exactly how many, but I think it was 2018 or 2019, my then-boyfriend, now-husband, and I were taking a road trip from Georgia to Montana, For some contextual background here, many of you guys know that I now live in Montana, but back in those days, we were living in North Georgia, in a little town that wasn't too far from the Appalachian Trailhead. So our route took us directly through Adams, Tennessee, and obviously I made a point to stop at the Bell Witch Cave, which is now a very haunted tourist attraction. While we were there, we did the whole nine yards. We toured the cabin that they had on the property, We walked a lot of the grounds where the activity took place, and most importantly, we went out to the cave where the Bell Witch is said to be lurking. Now, if you know this story, then you probably know that visiting this haunt comes with a bit of a stipulation. Namely, they say that the Bell Witch is said to curse or even haunt anyone who takes anything from the cave. We, of course, were warned this during our tour, But you all know me. I've always been interested in the paranormal, but at the same time, I'm a natural-born skeptic, and my husband is even more skeptical than I am. And honestly, at that point, or at least up until this point, I should say, he was pretty much a non-believer when it comes to the paranormal. So, yeah, you can probably see where this is going. Maybe it was to prove a point to him or myself. Maybe it was a severe lapse of judgment. Or maybe it was something else entirely. But regardless, I left that cave with a rock in hand. And to this day, that's the most irresponsible thing I've ever done as a paranormal researcher. So this is where things start to get weird. We were about three hours in to a 30-hour-long trip. We stopped in Paducah, Kentucky to have lunch with some family members who lived there, and then it was my turn to drive for the first time in the entire trip. Now, I should mention that the entire time we were eating, the weather outside was very clear. There wasn't a cloud in the sky, and if I remember correctly, there wasn't any sort of severe weather forecasted for that area. So you can imagine our surprise when storm clouds rolled in, not five minutes down the road. And that's when lightning struck, maybe 10 feet from our vehicle. 
I remember thinking that the car itself must have been struck by lightning. There was a bright flash of white light in front of our windshield, and I remember feeling what I can only describe as energy bursting in the small of my back. Now, looking back, I know that the car itself wasn't struck by lightning. There would have obviously been a lot more damage to us and the vehicle if that were the case, but it must have been close if we had a physical reaction to it, is what I'm trying to say. After that, a thick fog rolled in and stuck with us for way longer than I feel like it should have. Like, we were driving in this thing for hours. And it was so dense that we got lost on the way to our hotel and didn't arrive until nearly 3 o'clock in the morning, instead of around 7 p.m. like we had originally planned. Needless to say, we were exhausted by the time that we finally checked in. So once we got to our room, we pretty much immediately called it a night. And at that time, I thought that the weirdness of that first stage drive was finally behind us. Although, as I'm sure you may have guessed, things only got stranger as our trip went on. For instance, our first stop in Montana was one of the state's larger cities called Billings. We had planned to stay there for a few days, and we spent the entirety of that time violently ill. It's sort of a TMI moment, so I will spare you those details, but it's worth mentioning that the onset of these symptoms was quite sudden, and to be honest, they didn't dissipate until we left town a few days later. Which was funny, because at the time we were planning to move to Billings, and we didn't get a chance to explore the city in the slightest, which was more or less the entire point of this trip. After that, things were okay for a couple of days, but then we started to make our trek back to Georgia. We were heading east through the southwestern region of Montana, and we decided to stop for lunch in this random town off of the I-90 interstate. I remember thinking that the town was small, quaint, and charming. But most importantly, it had a McDonald's, a gas station, and a pizza joint for my husband, who has an aversion to fast food. We parked our car and went our separate ways. My husband went across the street to the pizza joint, and I went into McDonald's to order my own lunch. I remember that there were a lot of people in front of me, so I had to have been sitting there for a while when I heard the sound of thunder overhead. Now, this wasn't the rolling sound of a storm off in the distance. This was a single clap of thunder just above the restaurant. Not long after, my husband literally ran into the McDonald's, and to be honest, it looked as if he had seen a ghost. He was pale and visibly shaken, so I asked him what happened. And you're not going to believe what he told me. I didn't even believe it at the time. Apparently, he had been walking back from the pizza joint that I told you about earlier. And he was planning to come inside the McDonald's to buy a drink to go with his meal. But the moment he set foot in the parking lot, lightning struck just a few feet away from him. I know. Like I said, it's hard to believe. And for you listening at home, I understand the reason for skepticism here. But for us at the time, this was the final straw, and we took the rock back to the cave on our way back to Georgia. 
Once again, I thought this would be the end of it. And once again, I was proven wrong. Because years later, we finally made our move to Montana. Only, instead of Billings, we settled in a town a little further west. This was because jobs were a bit more plentiful. But at the same time, housing was a bit more expensive and hard to come by. So, after a short time renting a small townhouse, my husband and I decided that we wanted something a bit more permanent, ideally away from the hustle and bustle of a crowded neighborhood. So we reached out to a realtor and asked if she knew of anything within an hour of where we were currently living, specifically something with land that fit our modest budget. Now, she was quick to tell us that this was a tall order, but she did know of one place that may just fit the bill. So we set up an appointment to go see this house and met the realtor at our office in town. We rode to the listing together with the realtor driving the car, and honest to God, my husband and I had no information on how to get to where we were going. But even still, as we got closer, things became more and more familiar, and by the time we were getting off the interstate, we knew exactly where we were. We were pulling into the very same town with the very same McDonald's, gas station, and pizza joint. That right there should have been another red flag, but we were hard-pressed for time and had few housing options. So eventually, we put in an offer and bought a house less than three miles away from where my husband was almost struck by lightning. So as of this week, it's been two years since we moved into this house. And being that 2023 is the seventh year in this supposed cycle, well, needless to say, it's been a bit weird. Now, I don't mean for this to come off as if I'm complaining, because all in all I know that any sort of negativity that comes from this is, by extension, the consequences of my own actions. And overall, I really do love living here. Okay, I don't know if you guys could hear that, and to be honest, I don't even know if I'm going to keep that in, but there's about a foot of snow on the ground at the time of recording this, and that almost sounds like someone was walking outside. I don't know, let me know what you guys think, but for now, I guess this is a good segue into what I was planning to talk about next, which is the paranormal activity that seems to be happening around this house. After some time living here, I feel relatively confident in saying that this house has an array of spiritual energies. And dare I say it, one of them may just be whatever I encountered back in Adams, Tennessee. It's a bold claim to make, I know, but there are a few theories claiming that the Bell Witch and other entities of this nature may just have the ability to be in multiple places at once. So if you will, just hear me out for a minute. When we first moved into this house, I had my suspicions that it might be haunted. But overall, the activity seemed pretty tame. And to be honest, it wasn't a far cry from experiences I had back in Georgia. So since everything seemed relatively positive, I figured live and let live. But then the new year rolled around and the energy here sort of shifted. And by that, I mean the activity got a bit more aggressive. For instance, we started seeing shadow figures around the house, 
usually out of the corner of our eyes. Now, to be clear, this isn't a common occurrence, but it does happen often enough for us to notice. Not to mention that we've heard voices where there shouldn't be, specifically when either one of us were here alone. And to top it all off, there's this oppressive sort of energy in the bathroom, one that feels like it's kind of watching us every time we use it. I don't know, maybe I'm making mountains out of molehills here, but this one really freaks me out. I think what bothers me most about this is that most of the activity seems to come in threes. For instance, three of our otherwise healthy animals have fallen ill this year, to the point of needing emergency medical intervention. Fortunately, everyone's okay now, but for a while there, it was pretty touch and go. On another occasion, we had three of our appliances break in fast succession, leaving us without heat during the middle of a Montana winter. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with U.S. geography, I've seen temperatures here as low as negative 30 Celsius, and for the record, it can get much colder. Oh, and not long after that, we had a small chimney fire. Again, we were fortunate enough to put it out before any real damage was caused to ourselves or to our home. But, yeah, that whole experience was just eye-opening. So, by now, I'm sure that those of you listening at home are divided into two even camps. Those who think I'm crazy and that this story never happened, or those who think I'm crazy and believe that it did. And to be honest, I get where both sides are coming from. So, to the skeptics, I want to say that I'm usually right there with you. And hey, maybe I am making connections that aren't actually connected. But I know what it is that I've experienced, and I can assure you that this story is the honest-to-God truth. And to the believers, who think that I'm out of my mind for taking something from a cave that's known to be cursed. Well, I'd say that you're right for thinking I'm out of my mind. Although, this sort of situation happens more often than you might think. But more on that next week. This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show in this way really helps us reach more listeners each week. Oh, and while you're at it, make sure to check out my friends in the podcasting game. Many of you know Farah from The Conversation Cabin, as well as Tracy and Jeremy from Total Conundrum. And let's not forget David and Amanda from One Nothing Podcast. If you guys enjoy my show, you guys will really love these podcasts, so make sure to give them a follow. Finally, I would love to connect with you guys online. Make sure to give us a follow on social media at HauntsCast, or join our mailing list at HauntsCast.com for updates about the show. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, happy haunting.